welcome to Around the World in 80s Movies. My name is Vince Leo. I am the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews. I've been doing reviews since 1996 online. You can read them anytime. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. I don't just cover films of the 1980s. I have done film reviews stemming all the way from the silent era through films that are currently coming out in theaters right now. And you can read them all at my website. Quipster.net is where to go. Today I'm going to be kicking off a new three-part series. I just did films that feature cyborgs within movies of the 1980s. This film, some people might say qualifies, but I will explain why I shied away from including it within the cyborg realm, even though the term cyborg is actually in the film as a descriptor for the main character that the title refers to. I'm talking about 1984's The Terminator. And the reason why I did not include it as a cyborg film is because there's some question whether The Terminator is a cyborg. A cyborg defined as a being that has both organic and biomechatronic body parts, according to Wikipedia. I guess the Terminators don't really exist organically, but they have organic parts. They have skin, they have flesh that they kind of wear, and they have to maintain in order to keep a human appearance. But if you remove that, they can still exist because underneath that, they are essentially robots. A lot of this is really over my head, but it is made much more confusing by the fact that Kyle Reese within this film refers to the Terminator as a cyborg, a cybernetic organism, which for some people would probably technically make it a cyborg film, even if it's not technically correct. But that's also the reason why I'm choosing it right after the cyborg film. So it kind of fits in there, even though on a technicality, it may not be. This is going to kick off a series of films, science fiction films, in which a protagonist has to come back to the past in order to try to stop an antagonist. The Terminator is a film from 1984. It is an R-rated film. It does have strong graphic violence language, and there is a scene of sexuality with some nudity there. It's an hour and 48 minutes. The main stars are Arnold Schwarzenegger, Linda Hamilton, and Michael Bean. Supporting roles going to Paul Winfield and Lance Henriksen. It's directed by James Cameron. Technically speaking, this is Cameron's second film as director, although his first credited film, Piranha 2, The Spawning, he was fired within the first week of filming. So a lot of that movie was not actually directed by Cameron. They just wanted somebody with uh, an American-sounding name, even though he was a Canadian. Cameron also wrote the screenplay along with Gail Ann Hurd. It's a very simple premise for a film. In fact, I could pretty much contain the plot to about a sentence or two. It's just about a killer android here, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, who gets sent back to the year 1984 from 2029 in order to assassinate the mother of a resistance leader of the future. One of the soldiers of that resistance is Kyle Reese, played by Michael Bean, who's sent back in order to protect that mother, Sarah Connor, from harm. But the killer android is virtually unstoppable in its mission. That is a very simplistic reading of this film. This is a movie that I could probably study endlessly. In fact, I had to stop myself and just go with this review because I was just researching and researching and researching, and it was just one of those movies that gets written about a lot as far as influences within science fiction and movies of the 1980s. And and I could spend 10, 
15 episodes just doing different facets of this movie. Now, this is a movie that's written, as I mentioned, by James Cameron himself, along with Gail Ann Hurd. Gail Ann Hurd would go on to eventually marry James Cameron not long after the film's release. One of his many wives. Reportedly, the idea came to James Cameron when he was having a nightmare during the filming of Piranha 2, The Spawning. He had this dream where he was being stalked by this menacing, robotic, metallic endoskeleton that rises out of a large fire. It really affected him, and he decided this would be an interesting idea for the culmination of a movie. Despite the fact that he had concocted this movie based on that dream, he was later sued by uh, famed science fiction author Harlan Ellison because of similarities between what happens in The Terminator and a short story that Ellison had written in the 1950s called Soldier from Tomorrow, which was also adapted into an episode of TV's The Outer Limits, which was known as Soldier then. Ellison ended up suing and then accepting an out-of-court settlement, and he would get credit at the end of the home video releases of The Terminator, despite the fact that James Cameron has always maintained that Ellison is nothing more than a greedy opportunist, and that Cameron was forced into this baseless settlement by the producers who were seeking to minimize potential damages if Ellison were to come out on top in court. Cameron did have an early treatment while he was working on Piranha 2, the cheapy B-movie he didn't have much creative control of. He didn't want a repeat of that experience, so Cameron, he moved quickly to secure his ideas for the Terminator, especially in the casting of Arnold Schwarzenegger, to ensure that the most critical piece is going to be in place to realize his vision. Now, the Terminator is not a film that you might conceive of as being propelled by strong performances, per se, but given the fantastical nature of the story, and the fact that it is very well cast is a great benefit in making this tale very believable and quite weighty. There were a plethora of potential leading ladies that were being mulled over, one being famously Deborah Winger. Kathleen Turner was also considered, but Winger turned down the role because she ended up finding the subject matter uninteresting. After looking at quite a few others, I could really rattle off a list of about 20 names of actresses that had been auditioning or sought after for the role, Linda Hamilton would end up being cast as Sarah Connor. Sarah had to undergo a very wide story arc here, starting off as a carefree young waitress to someone who must seemingly within the course of a day and a night fall in love and then become a battle hero herself. It's really far-fetched, but within the scope of the film, it does end up being completely believable. Arnold Schwarzenegger had been originally courted by James Cameron. They met over lunch to discuss the Kyle Reese role for him. But Schwarzenegger had a certain trouble with his thick accent, especially at that time, with the heavy moments of expository dialogue that he would have had to churn through. But during that conversation, Cameron was struck by how imposing this muscle-bound actor was, and he reconsidered the appearance of the Terminator from his original concept of being kind of an everyman so that he would blend in. Initially, Mel Gibson was also a prime candidate for the Terminator role. Cameron's style was very influenced by his impressions of George Miller's The Road Warrior. He ended up rewriting The Terminator to have a bodybuilder frame so that Schwarzenegger could play that role and make it even more horrific. And despite his qualms about playing a bad guy, Schwarzenegger really wanted to be the hero. He was just Conan the Barbarian. He thought of himself as an action hero. Didn't necessarily want to be the bad guy in a film, but, you know, he is the perfect casting for the role. 
even though Schwarzenegger thought it would be a movie that was not going to find an audience, he thought it would be terrible based on how he felt about the storyline as well as his role in it. He only agreed to take the role to try to gain a little bit more exposure in Hollywood with something that was a little bit more modern than a sword and sorcery epic like Conan the Barbarian. At the time, he thought his role would be a little bit too one-dimensional to propel his acting career otherwise, even though it would be a defining role in his career in the end. It's interesting to note here, other actors had been considered for the role. One of them included O.J. Simpson, and the irony here, he was dismissed from consideration by the producers because he was too charismatic and likable. They could not see him as the kind of person who would be believable as a remorseless killer. And that's almost kind of a joke that writes itself. As far as the Kyle Reese role goes, it's really hard to imagine now anyone else in the role other than Michael Bean. But at the time, they were looking at rock star Sting primarily as an actor that uh, Orion Pictures particularly had their hearts set to cast. However, Sting was already committed to do David Lynch's Dune, so he couldn't really commit to the role. Many other actors were considered. They ended up settling on Bean. Bean almost was not a consideration. He actually flubbed the first audition. He was still kind of in character from auditioning for another project. Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, he had to have a southern accent for that. There were still traces of that southern accent in his voice when he auditioned for The Terminator. So the producers thought, no, not really what they're looking for. But he was given a second chance. His agent apologized and asked him to reconsider because he really did not have an accent coming from Nebraska. Definitely not a southern accent anyway. So you have a really good cast here of appealing actors, so you got the foundation here for a potentially potent movie at the very least, but it's really for the themes of this film that the Terminator ends up having a lasting impression. Those themes abound here. Obviously, you begin here with our inherent fear of artificial intelligence, as well as this building of our safety net on the backs of technology that could, if sophisticated enough, begin to think on its own. A very scary proposition for humans. In such a case, we, as the creators, would become the greatest threat to the continued existence of this artificial intelligence. Another theme within the Terminator is how anyone could become a hero of significance if given the right circumstances. Even those among us you would never suspect could have the character or resolve to do so. A waitress here, an 18-year-old, basically named Sarah Connor, becomes the mother of an entire resistance sometime later. As much as I love The Terminator as a film, and I would give it the highest grade on any scale, really, there are a number of moments within this film that don't always work for me in terms of suspending disbelief. One example I could give, there's a phone call between Sarah and her mother in which it is revealed that the mother was presumably just killed is actually the Terminator who's emulating the mother's voice. A scary moment, but not really one that I completely buy. I can buy that technology could progress to the point where a computer is going to be able to replicate the tone and the cadence of a human voice. I think the way it plays out here seems hard to believe because there wasn't much of a representative sample for the Terminator to go on to completely make her mother's personality convincing enough for her own daughter to not think something was a little bit off at any point during that conversation. That whole scene could have merely played out with the Terminator eavesdropping on this actual phone conversation between Sarah and her mother. There's no real critical need for the Terminator to actually be the mother's voice for the purpose of the plot. That's a real nitpick here, though, because that's only a small part of this movie. Not very critical, I feel, to anyone's liking of the movie, and one of the reasons why I still would give it, despite a few nitpicks here and there, my highest grade overall. Although many people today might conceive of The Terminator as a huge 1980s blockbuster, 
This is actually a relatively low-budget film. They were doing this whole film on a budget of only $6.5 million. And beyond that, it really plays, more so than any of its sequels, like a stalker or slasher horror movie a good deal of the time, even though it has a lot of science fiction underpinnings. You have your final girl tropes here, your unstoppable killer. Really, this is like a slasher movie, but with this artificial intelligence and science fiction concept base to build that off of. Film critics at the time of its release gave the film generally positive, but somewhat mixed notes. They said it was an effective action flick, but a drive-in caliber B-movie at its core. It's as fun to watch as it is inconsequential in its story. At least that's how they felt at the time. The film may have been thought of as good, but not necessarily great in its early days. And that resulted in a solid but unspectacular box office take in the United States of $38 million. A big hit still, it would double that with international money. So it would take in almost $80 million when it was all said and done in the theaters. But it really could have made more. At least James Cameron thought so. He blamed Orion Pictures not pushing a better advertising campaign for the theatrical run as the reason why it didn't become a runaway blockbuster. However, despite the box office performance here, which was great, but not as great as it probably could have been in hindsight, it did quickly become a major success, a smash success, once it hit the home video and premium cable markets, repeat viewings, word of mouth, it made it one of the most watched and rewatched films of the 1980s. Obviously, nowadays, it's considered one of the most influential science fiction films of its or any era. It ranks at 100% right now at the time of this recording on Rotten Tomatoes. It is regarded as a classic film for the 1980s and of the genre in which it resides. I personally would pick it as the greatest science fiction-based action film ever made. And notably, I also take into consideration Terminator 2 Judgment Day in that assessment, which I also love. And many people do consider the sequel better than this original, but I think that I prefer The Terminator for what it does on every conceivable level. This is a terrifically conceived story. It has flawless direction, solid acting. The action is as relentless as The Terminator himself. The influence of this film is also something that you can't overstate. It's one of the best science fiction films ever. A man versus computer theme that still rings quite true today. Terrific special effects beyond the modest budget. I don't think a frame of this film is wasted, and it should be recognized for the masterpiece that it is. So, obviously, it will come as no surprise to hear, since I told you that I would give the highest score for this film on any scale, that on my four-star scale, I would give The Terminator from 1984 four stars out of four. Four stars on my scale means that I would recommend this to anyone, maybe not a young child, but anyone old enough to be able to handle the graphic violence within the film, I certainly would highly recommend The Terminator to you. It is a great film. I assume a lot of people who are listening to a podcast based on films of the 1980s would probably concur to a large extent. Four stars out of four for The Terminator. I just talked about Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Now that is a film from the 90s. Technically speaking, came out in 1991. However, I'm going to go ahead and review Terminator 2 Judgment Day, despite the fact that it is a 1990s film, and very much inherently so, because so many of the things that are within Terminator 2 were conceived of for the Terminator, but they didn't have the budget or the time to be able to explore those. So Terminator 2 Judgment Day, I'm going to go ahead and review on my very next episode as a continuation of The Terminator. Check that out for next week, and you'll be able to keep up with the review. I'm looking forward to revisiting that. And a lot of the things that I wanted to say on this show, I'm going to save for 
Terminator 2 kind of in keeping with the fact that a lot of the things that James Cameron wanted to say he saved for Terminator 2 as well so with that in mind thank you everyone for listening I hope that you enjoyed this review if you have your own thoughts on the Terminator I do encourage you to reach out to me you can find my contact information at my website that's including links to my Twitter feed my Facebook page and I'll try to respond to anything that you might have to say there that's at quipster.net q-w-i-p-s-t-e-r.net until next time thank you everyone for joining me on this trip around the world in 80s movies.